as servants and ministers in this house according to to his calling. Um, in Nehemiah chapter 13, I was reading through Nehemiah recently and, and saw that when God raised up Nehemiah to rebuild uh, the city of Jerusalem and work together with Ezra in building the temple. And in Nehemiah 13, uh, towards verse 7, he came back uh, to Jerusalem after everything was built and he discovered that uh, there was a room in the house of God which was kept for the storehouse and the storehouse was where uh, the goods for the Levites or those who were to serve God in the, in the temple were to, um, those goods were to be stored and, and it was when the people uh, in the farming community, the first portion of their produce, the first tenth, they would bring into the house of God and it would be stored in the storehouse and then that uh, the food that was in that storehouse was to be used for the, the servants, the Levites who worked in the house of God and praised God and looked after the things of the house of God. But he came back in Nehemiah and he saw this guy, um, Tobiah, you can read in verse 7, he was shocked because there was no food in the storehouse and this guy by the name of Tobiah was living in there. <laughs> And this guy, Tobiah, was an enemy to the building of Jerusalem and the temple and he raised up people just to, um, to assault the Israelites as they were building the temple. And God was just showing me that, you know, if, if we don't build the temple according to God's pattern and if we don't store up food for his ministers, then the enemy will come in and set up residence in the house of God. And there's a plan of God throughout the scriptures for the building of the temple and it's transferred into the New Testament. Um, in the Levite, Levitical priesthood, Jesus replaced that with the Melchizedek priesthood. Guys, you're going to have to listen to this. <laughs> Fellas, wait. <laughs> Guys, are really important. You <laughs> Sorry, but... Please, you need to listen to this. It's, you won't get it otherwise. But it's important for us as the body of Christ to understand this. Okay? So there's a pattern for New Testament ministry. And Jesus set that up. And he called certain men to himself to build the New Testament church. And if we neglect that, we can't build the New Testament church according to his pattern. And compromise will come into the body of Christ. Okay, The devil wants to come into the church to rip the church off from the truth that Jesus established. So this New Testament priesthood, it's a ministry of Melchizedek. It's a ministry of Christ and he has given us a responsibility. Jesus, the living God, was on the earth and he set up a ministry. He set up a priesthood for us to carry on the work. He, let, he trained 12 men. And he gave them as gifts, as we're going to read later today, he gave gifts to the church. And they weren't the gifts of the spirit, they were the gifts of men, okay? So if we don't ordain men in the church of God who have a spiritual calling from him 
then the enemy, Tobiah, will come and sit in the house of God and he will set up camp. And what that means is that there will be devastation in the land. There will be no anointing in the house of God. And we will just be doing religious services without the power of God for transformation. We need God's power in these days. We are not just playing church, okay? This is not a religious institution or some empty form. We are encouraging the power of God. So, so as I looked at this, I could see that they had not gathered the, uh, the, the tithe of the people and brought it into the house of God. So what Nehemiah did, he commanded them to remove Tobiah from that place and to bring in uh, the portions uh, for the Levites. So you see in verse 10, he says, I realized that the portions for the Levites had not been given them. For each of the Levites and singers who did the work, what work? What work did the Levites and the singers do? They did the work of the ministry in the house of God. They weren't ministering. There was no one ministering unto the Lord in the house of God because the enemy had come in and taken up residence. So they had returned, they had gone back to their fields. They'd gone back to the work of the fields just when the disciples were discouraged after Jesus was crucified. They went back to their fishing. They went back to the occupation that they were doing before Jesus came and called them out. So um, just want to ask Sim and Lani just to jump up and um, yeah, you guys can Maybe, um, yeah, just one. one <laughs> the Lord is part of, part of our delight, you know, as leading this church is just identifying the call of God on your lives and, and empowering that. And that's something that we want to do as a church today. I want to empower these guys for the work of the ministry and um, so just, I've just asked them to share a short testimony each. And then tonight uh, we're going to have an anointing service. We're going to have a laying on of hands. And the power of God is going to flow into their lives um, for the work of the ministry in the house of God. Um, yeah, so thanks, Lani. Thanks. Um, yeah, my name's Lani, if you don't know me. Um, I... For a large part of my life, um, I guess growing up and, and going into uh, thinking about careers and things, I really loved nursing um, and I still do. And as I was training to be a nurse, I um, started doing community nursing and it was really incredible, um, you know, being there with people in their homes and tending to them when they're sick and uh, then moving into palliative care where, you know, you're with people when they're taking their last breath and... Um, the thing that God kept bringing up in every single interaction with every single person and patient um, was the, the significance of eternity and the significance of the health of and well-being of their souls um, because life here is so short. You know, 100 years if you're lucky, but eternity is forever. And something, yeah, just having the revelation of that over the years I've always felt, you know, we're not allowed to, but I pray with every single patient. And, um, you know, they let me and it was so beautiful to be able to have that time. And 
I think, yeah, even growing up as a young girl, like I'd have dreams and, um, you know, they'd come to pass and really felt God speak to me saying, like calling me into the house. You know, um, yeah, it is so important to have your tent making skills, but I always felt so drawn to um, actually like live and like serve under, um, yeah, the Lord's house. And um, something like a, a verse that really sticks out to me is is Jeremiah. And it's the Lord um, speaking to Jeremiah. And he says, look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. And the Lord continues to show Jeremiah and, um, you know, what that looks like and being his mouthpiece um, to build his kingdom in the right way. And so I, I strongly feel that call. Um, and it's funny because when um, Holly and Jules, we, we'd catch up and we'd pray. And um, one day they asked me to catch up and I just felt the Holy Spirit say, um, you know, there is a place for you. There's a place for you in this house and um, that will be offered to you. And I just felt joy. And I, you know, it was really unexpected. I felt this joy in my spirit. And I thought, Lord, if this is your will, then, you know, let's let's do it. Um, I've been wanting to come here for a really long time. But the Lord actually kept me at a different place, which I love very much. But he kept me there because he said, you know, you need to be here to be my mouthpiece for this you know, for, and, and I said, okay, Lord, until you say go, I will go. Um, and so that, that day that I was about to catch up with um, Holly and Jules, I really, and heard that from the Lord, I felt in my spirit, I think the time is now to be transitioning into this house and helping build God's kingdom here. Um, and yeah, it was so incredible the day that um, I kind of accepted and, you know, um, had a really beautiful parting dinner with my old pastors and I was doing one last nursing job with a friend um, and that very day, like, he passed away so I could be released as well. Um, so, you know, to actually be totally committed um, to serving here. And um, we prayed, actually, when I when I said I would love to do that. Um, yeah, you know, it was a period of time before I um, actually accepted and... Um, just really wanted to seek God and um, I actually got this vision of um, you know it was like a sleeping giant um, sleeping across Australia and I just heard the Lord say I'm shaking I'm shaking and I'm waking up my people and then I just saw the eyes of this giant open and I just felt this need to repent on behalf of the nation on behalf of the world um, you know it was just like this reverent fear of the Lord that I felt and uh, then I saw, like, it was like the church building and it was like it, God's foot crushing the building and removing it so that the foundations were bare again and his footprint, his DNA will be founded on the very foundations of the church as it, as it gets rebuilt in the way that he designed. And, um, you know, and that, that was just, I guess, on the brink of COVID, um, lockdown and everything. And then, um, yeah, and I just saw, yeah, just incredible things. But the Lord was saying, like, I'll give you the words to speak. Um, I'll give you the, the hands of healing and, and then, um, yeah, and singing, singing new melodies for the Lord. And um, it's just incredible because I, I'm like just as intently as I love caring for, you know, the external, um, the wounds and... Um, you know, healing for people in the natural, the supernatural, the soul, you know, our spirit, this is so significant. And I truly believe like that's why I was so, you know, 
like loving nursing and, and all of that, but you know, the Lord's showing me like this is this is forever. And I actually feel that burden, like that burden that we need to wake up, like that He paid the price, you know, um, for us to be set free, for us to be made whole. And not just us knowing, like everyone out there, you know, it's incredible that we know the gospel, that we know that we're saved, we know the truth of the blood of Jesus. But all those people, like he died for the everyone, you know, and, and that that's that burden on my heart for people to know everyone um, and for his house to be to be built and to be edified um, in the way that he is leading. And um, yeah, it's just been incredible. I really love um, Jules and Holly and the way that they have just given their lives to this church and everyone in it. And I can see it like this beautiful you know, respect and honour um, to help build that. Even just yesterday, seeing all the young guys helping out, you know, just giving their time freely to help build this this house. You know, it's just, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, so I, I really do feel that, um, yeah, God has called me into this this position. And, um, yeah, it's, it's incredible because um, just, you know, kind of being here and planting my feet here, I've seen you know, restoration already. You've seen beautiful things that the Lord paid the price for. Um, and I'll just quickly share one more thing. Um, it was it just even during worship, um, you know, a lot of the time we say, bring heaven to earth. And in heaven, everyone's worshiping the Lord, you know. And, um, and then here on earth, it's like, what does that look like? We're worshiping with, with what the Lord has blessed us with, with what he has, you know, given us to steward. And, um, you know, we, we give that all back to him. And I saw, I couldn't see the face of the Lord. It was too glorious. But, like, I saw his hands and he was on the throne and I saw his hands. And it was like there were scars where he had been pierced. And it was like... Um, in, in Isaiah where it says, see, I have engraved your name on the palms of my hands. I will for- never forget you. I will restore you. And it was as though he said, you know, this is the name of every single person. You know, these are the scars. These are the names of every single person. That is the, the power, you know, of, of, <laughs> of just what he, he did. He said, I was thinking of you as this happened. Um, and and he, that is his heart for every single person. And yeah, I just really want to see the lost get saved and for family to be restored. Um, yeah, for a true kingdom family to be built. Um, so, yeah, I just, I'm really honoured to be here and, like, serve alongside you as, yeah, brothers and sisters and, yeah, spiritual parents. It's beautiful. So, yeah, I'm really blessed. And, um, yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, what a gift Lani is. How beautiful is her heart? Just drop, drop you into an encounter and then you're supposed to come in and share. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Far out, the pierced hands. That's our names. That's what we paid for. Um, yeah, if anyone's heard me talk recently, all I can talk about is the bride. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, and so... My heart, just more and more so, um, has just been, yeah, it's like being branded with what Jesus paid for, which is his bride, um, which starts personally, of course, for each of us um, to see the covenant he paid for. He, he paid for it with his blood and 
all of his covenants are actually marriage. They're marriage covenants. He, he goes in willing to lay himself fully down and give himself to us fully. And yeah, so my heart has just been very burdened, I would say, in a beautiful way just for, yeah, what he paid for as well as then us becoming that together. Um, you know, when you read, read Revelation, it talks about the bride um, saying come and, and Jesus even, um, yeah, reveals through his word that he, he desires to present a spotless, wrinkle-free, without blemish bride. Um, and and he is, he's prepared, as we see, to do anything to present that, which is his, his crucifixion. And, and for me, that's just been my heart is then we need to, we need to understand what it means to become ready. Um, because he's coming back as a, a bridegroom, king, and a husband. And so he's looking for a wife. Yeah, he's, he's not just looking for a people, he's looking for a wife, he's looking for a, um, yeah, a people who know that they are his beloved, who know that they are his, his bride. And that's where it gives it away in his revelation is that it's only the bride that is calling on him. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll share a verse that I think kind of embodies it for me, which is the marriage of the Lamb in, um, yeah, Revelation 19, uh, verse 7 says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Yeah, which is insane because it says the bride has made herself ready and, and that's where I, I feel I guess my calling is is that us together and us individually are to make ourselves ready for him um, and understanding that it's by his blood, understanding that it's intimacy he purchased on the cross, not just a contract <laughs> um, or just a salvation, you know, down the track when we all die. He, he purchased something um, very costly, which is intimacy and a marriage covenant with us. And so, yeah, I love all of you guys. Um, and yeah, I mean, I went away for a year and, and usually that's easy for me because I just like forget about whatever I've, whatever I've left at home um, when I used to do mission work and stuff. But I literally just couldn't actually keep this family out of my heart the entire time I was away. It was actually a burden and, and that's what I, was the co most costly thing to lay down to go away to the US and it, it continued to be the most important thing to me the entire time I was away was you guys. Um, and so, yeah, for me, that's just a knowing that, yeah, whatever that may look like to make the bride ready, which is to make each of us ready for the, the one who is coming for us, but who also wants to, you know, commune and, and actually partake in the covenant that he purchased now. It's one of those mind-bending things where we're his bride-to-be, yet we're also his bride all in this one moment. <laughs> but I remember the Lord being like, that's just a problem you guys have down there, you know, because <laughs> time's not a factor in my equation. But, yeah, you know, it's something that we want to actually give him what he paid for, and, and that's our very lives, and that's being wholly given to him as laid-down lovers. But it's it's also enjoying the marriage covenant. be odd to have a marriage with someone that you didn't enjoy. <laughs> that's... So he wants us to enjoy, <laughs> just being real. <laughs> um, so yeah, my heart's also we enjoy, enjoy the marriage we get with Jesus, um, enjoy the love he wants to give us, which is a marital love and affection and yeah, and in any way I can just help, yeah, to impart that, to take us deeper into that together because it's not a 
personal journey in and of itself. It's the bride is the body. You know, it's all of us together. He's not coming for different little pieces of the bride. He's coming for the bride. And so that's all of you guys in the room. We get to be his bride. And so I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty expectant for what the Lord's going to do. And yeah, I mean, if just this morning's an indicator of that, his, his presence is going to mark each of us really deeply. And we're not going to know how to function without it, which is how we're created to be. And we're not going to have a love without his love just filling us each and every day. Um, we're going to be, yeah, a distinct people because of his presence. And so, yeah, thank you, Jesus, for that. Um, I can share for days on this, as you guys know. But uh, <laughs> I think I'm handing over to Julesy. Are we, we're hearing from the word of God. Uh, well, thanks, Sam. That's awesome. I'll, I'll cut it short. But um, I'll just quickly share... Um, if God gives us a little bit more grace, that's awesome. Thanks, guys. Um, but just pray for them, and as they pray for you, that's how, how it works. And we, we're, all, we're all called to minister together. In Ephesians 4, verse 8, he says, Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, this is Jesus speaking, when he... That's Jesus. He led captivity. So it's talking about the resurrection of Christ. When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. And so this morning, I just want to quickly look at the gift of men. The gift of Christ to the church is a gift of men. He didn't rise up and give the gifts of the Spirit. It's not talking, Ephesians chapter 4 is not referring to the gifts of Spirit, it's talking about men. And you go and read through verse, from verse 11 to 14, and he says the reason why these gifts, these pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles, um, and prophets were given was so that the church could grow into the fullness of Christ that we wouldn't be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine. So if we don't have the fivefold ministry in the church, we will be carried around by the devil, by the wind of false doctrines and the trickery of deceitful men. And so this is what we're going after. We're looking at establishing a fivefold ministry that we can be a healthy church and grow up to be the bride of Christ as was shared to us so but we see everything on earth has value because men exist everything on earth even if you were to go to buy a house or land that land and that house has value because men placed value on it if nobody wants it then if no man wants it there's no value on it and I realized this when I was up in Papua New Guinea and there was just beautiful land with massive mango trees and avocados and beautiful climate and just lush soil where you could just grow anything. And it was worthless because nobody wanted it. No man wanted it. Because the idea up there is if you get anything for yourself, Fear comes because it's going to be taken from you or it's going to be burnt down. But here on the North Shore, 
northern beaches of Sydney, land has value because man has placed value on it. So in, in, the, kings, in the ancient kings of the Old Testament, they, they went out to battle to obtain land and territory in order to get men. Because they realized the more men they had, the more value they had. So, so in those days, value was not on money or on gold or possessions, but value was on men. Men added value uh, to their lives. And there's something within men that is a gift from God that we need to understand and we need to study uh, to understand God's purpose in this land. And in Ephesians, I'm sorry, in Psalm, Psalm 8, David, in his study of the gift of men, he realized that there was something within man. And he, he said this in Psalm 8, verse 4. He said, what is it, what is man that you are mindful of him? What is it? Inside man, what is it that man possesses that God would be mindful? So talking about the mindfulness of God, okay? Mindfulness is not yoga or some new age philosophy. Mindfulness is what God, what is in the mind of God. And, and David was amazed in Psalm 8. You can see his description of the universe and the moon and the stars and the lands. and the. But he said... Even though there's all this majesty and beauty in the heavens and the earth, what is it about man? What is so special about man that your mind is encapsulated with him? That your mind is so full of man? And then he went on to say further uh, that, that if we could understand the thoughts of God. If we could, if we could grasp the thoughts of God towards man, it would be like the grains of the sand in the, in, in the beach in Psalm 139. So precious are your thoughts towards me. If I could fathom them, if I could count the thoughts of God towards my life, they would be like the grains of sand. So what is it? What is it in man that you would be constantly mindful of us? And there is something special that he has planted in your life that he would ignore the heavens, that he would ignore the stars, that he would ignore all creation and set his mind upon you. There is something that he's planted within you that will be revealed in the coming eternity that we get to steward in a few years on this earth. There is something special in you that cannot be replaced by any man. And so much so that even though we may at times in our life be rebellious and walk away from him, what he has put in you is so special, he doesn't cast you aside. But he comes running after you to pursue you. Because what he's committed to you, he's able to keep and preserve until that day when he comes back to gather to gather his saints, to gather his bride into his eternal dwelling place. In eternity, we will come to know and understand the mind of God and his plan and his purpose concerning our life. So even though man is broken, 
He doesn't cast him aside like a broken toaster that no longer cooks bread. But he works on a program of restoration. Man is so valuable. So much so that the Bible says if, if a man finds another man, he's found a good thing. If a man finds a wife, he obtains favor from the Lord. What is it in another human being? When we find a friend, when we find another human being, we obtain his favor from the Lord. What is it that is so special that if a, if, a, if a husband abuses his wife, the Bible says that heavens become blocked. He will no longer hear the prayers of that man. So if we reject or if we close up our hearts towards another human being or if we have bitterness or unforgiveness towards another human being, then heaven remains closed over your life. What is it in, in another human being that is so precious, that is so special to God, that heaven would close over your life if you ignore that? So unforgiveness is so damaging to the body of Christ that it actually blocks the presence of God and the love of God from your life. That's why if we can't open up our hearts to one another, if we can't love one another, if we can't forgive one another, then we're blocking the presence of God from our lives. That's why Jesus said, when you come to pray, if you have something in your heart against another human being, then don't waste your time. Your prayers won't be heard. Your prayers won't be answered. But go and make right with that person first. So that when you come to pray, your prayers will not be hindered. The heavens will be opened. So many of us, we don't have a prayer life because our prayer life's ineffective because there's bitterness, unforgiveness and hatred even in our hearts towards other humans. But what is it? What is it in man that is so special that God would leave heaven? The Spirit of God, God's Spirit, God as a son would, would come down to become a man. Jesus is forever a man and it says that he's seated on the right hand of the Father. And what is he doing there? Is he thinking about how good his creation was? No, he's sitting there on the right hand of the Father interceding for who? He's praying continually. For you. And he said, I desire that men would pray continually. Why? Because what is in you is so valuable. What is in man is so valuable. What is in man? It's a, men are the gift of Christ to the church. In Psalm 115, Verse 16, it says, The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. So according to the law of territories, God has given this territory for a season to man. In other words, he is 
the landlord. If Joy uh, owned a, a house and she entered into a, an agreement with me to rent her house to me, then I would become the tenant of that house. She would remain the landlord. I have an agreement that I can have my privacy there and I can raise my family there without Joy coming around every day to make sure that I'm keeping the place clean. And if she wants to have a look, then usually she would have to give two weeks notice so I could clean the place up and she could come. So God wrote an agreement here. Psalm 115, verse 16, David had this revelation that God had an agreement that he was to remain uh, Lord of all. However, for a period of time, he gave the earth uh, to men so that we could subdue it and take care of it for a period of time. Therefore, for God to work in the earth, he needs a man to agree with him. He can't just come in and take control. So God is overall sovereign, but he exercises his sovereignty uh, through the man that he's put in charge. So God is looking for men. God needs men to manifest his glory on the earth. He needs you. He needs you to allow him to work in your life so that he can manifest his presence and his glory on the earth. We saw that in Luke chapter 2. It's amazing. When you read through Luke chapter 2, you see the dealings of God and the coming of God into the world through men. It's amazing. You know, Jesus, actually the Father needed Mary's permission to come into the world. Isn't that crazy? You know, it was prophesied that, that God would come into a virgin, but it didn't say his virgin's name would be Mary. Why? Because Mary had not given permission at that stage. In fact, do we know if there was maybe another lady that rejected the call of God? Maybe. We don't know. But Mary had a choice to say, I'm not quite up for that yet. She had a choice and God would have honoured her choice. But she said, no, be it according, be it to me according to your word. How God honours your free will so much and how he honoured Mary, be it according to your word in my life. And we see in Luke chapter 2 also uh, Simeon waiting there waiting for the consolation of Israel, waiting at the temple when he saw Mary and Joseph bringing Jesus uh, to be circumcised. His heart became glad because he knew the purpose of his life had been revealed, that he was to wait there for the consolation of Israel. He was wait, wait there for the Son of God. And he took the baby in his arms and he blessed Jesus, a man. God used a man to bless Jesus and introduce Jesus to Israel. It wasn't that Mary was holy. It wasn't that she also needed a saviour because Simeon prophesied over Jesus' mother and said, he will be the cause of the rise and fall of Israel. And he said, the sword also will pierce your soul. The word of God will pierce you because you need piercing. Mary was an unregenerate sinner. 
and she needed a saviour. That's why she was there at the foot of the cross when Jesus was crucified because she knew she needed the blood. She wasn't a holy person that we could worship, but she, God saw her righteous because she accepted Jesus. She became righteous when she said, be it according to your word in my life. Let your word be fulfilled in my life because I need it. I need to grow up the Son of God in my womb, that, that He would go to the cross, that He would shed His blood, that I would obtain the righteousness of God. So what is it? What is it in your life that He would go to the extent of shedding His blood for you? In Psalm 68 verse 18, there's a very powerful psalm. And it's talking also about the resurrection of Christ. And it says, you have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. So who, the, who are the captives that he led as those men caught in sin and death? He's led them. They were captive to the devil. We were captives to our own sinful lusts. And we were slaves to the enemy, the devil. But he led us cap, captive. We became his captives, captives of righteousness. And then it says, you receive gifts. Jesus received gifts among men, even from the rebellious. So we who were rebellious, he received, this is amazing. He received your life as a rebellious person. And then he worked your life and then gave your life. So we've seen the disciples, the 12 disciples, they were rebellious. They were turning in their hearts. They were rebelling against God. But Jesus received them as gifts. And then he transformed them and gave them back as a gift to the church. And then it says, as the Lord, that the Lord may dwell there. So God has chosen the rebellious to receive them, to transform them and then dwell in them. So I was asking the Lord this morning, Lord, come into my private life. Come into the secret thoughts of my heart. Come into every area. And that's a powerful prayer to pray. Have you, have you ever prayed that prayer? Lord, come into my private life. But you need to, he, he won't just come in with, unless you invite him. He's a gentleman and he honours your free will. But we have the opportunity to invite him into the deepest thoughts of our heart. So Jesus became a man. He received rebels. And then he gave sons. <laughs> Pretty amazing. And then our task is to receive him, become sons, and then give him. Well, I was talking to this uh, fellow yesterday nice man and was painting the fence and he came up and was quite interested in what we're doing and I felt I needed to put the paintbrush down and listen to his family history and I was able to do that by the grace of God even though I wanted to paint the fence <laughs> I listened to him <laughs> and it turned out he was down here from Brisbane for his mother's funeral she died which his funeral was yesterday she was 101. She lived in Forestville all her life. And, um, yeah, it turned out he was married to a Jehovah's Witness 
living in Brisbane and his wife has been trying to get him along to, to that religious cult and there's been something in him which just hasn't been, you know, going with that because he, I think there's a call on his life to, to, to serve Jesus and to follow him. And, you know, I, I, I was able to share with him about, you know, a little bit about the blood of Jesus and how we, we need that, not religion. And it's only the blood of Jesus that can pre- present us faultless before God, not our, our good works. And um, he, he had to leave and get a bus. But I was thinking afterwards, you know, religion, very much the difference between Bible Christianity and religion is that religion is based on giving before they receive. And whereas, you know, Jesus, um, he became a man, he received and then he gave. So he became a man, he received rebels to himself and then he gave sons. Um, we as, as his children, first we must receive him, become transformed and then we have something to give. So we... We realize that we're sinners. We're, we're cut, off from, cut off from the commonwealth of Israel. We have no, no one is righteous, no one is good, and we have nothing good to give of ourselves. That's why first step, we have to receive him. We have to receive Jesus. We have to be, receive his blood and be cleansed from our sin. And then we need not just to be forgiven, but we need to be transformed into sons. And that is the power of the kingdom of God. And, now, and then we can give. We have something to give because we're not giving ourselves anymore. We're giving him. But the cults and the, even Christian religiousness will try to give first. And, and, and it's like good works. You're just giving of yourself. But there's, there's, there's no understanding of the power of the blood of Jesus to transform a sinner into a saint. There's no understanding of the power of the kingdom. And, uh, so, but there is something within us, and it's, it's, it's actually a, it's a ministry of giving and receiving. We don't have time to go into it, but in Philippians 4, uh, Paul talks about the ministry of giving and receiving in verse 15, Philippians 4.15, the ministry of giving and receiving. And he says, he's talking to the Philippian church and he says, you have given like no other church. And, and it was like he honoured them and he said, not that I need your money. I don't need your money. God is able to provide all of my needs according to his riches in Christ. But what I am looking for is fruit from your tree. I'm looking for the fruit. Because the ministry of giving is equal to the ministry of receiving. When we give, we receive. And Paul was wanting to see them receive. But he realized that in Christians don't give, they are shutting themselves off to the presence of a generous father in that area in their life. They still may be forgiven, but they're not coming into the fullness of the kingdom as far as receiving and they remain uh, in the spirit of poverty, which is 
what happened with in, in Nehemiah's time when Tobiah was actually given uh, a place to stay in the temple of God, which was meant to be used to store food for the house of God, to store food to provide for the servants of God in the house of God. So in, in um, Psalm 8, David goes on to say, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, you have ordained strength. So from the little ones, God has ordained strength. Why? Because there's something in man. Okay, going back to the gift of men, even the little ones. So Satan resists. There's a battle going on in the womb of women. And there has been right from the first uh, pregnancy, right through uh, the Old Testament, Barrenness was a curse. Why? Because Satan is resisting the gift of men. And we see that even in, in, in uh, Jesus' life. Satan is trying to kill men. And the battle is in the, in the womb. But God has prophesied that out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, even the little ones, he has ordained strength. Why? Because in the presence of the enemy, when the little ones start growing up in the ways of God and start declaring the goodness of God, it, it puts the enemy to flight. So his delight is with the sons of men. In Proverbs chapter 8, you can read about that. God delights, not in all creation, but his delight is with the sons of men. So understanding giving and receiving, it's a process of stewardship, stewarding. Whatever in the kingdom of God, we don't own anything. We are stewards of it. When God gives you children, you don't own that child. You're a steward of it for a period of time to grow him up into the things of the kingdom of God. So, so we don't underestimate the little ones that God has given to you. Your, your children are the heritage of the Lord. They belong to him. And he gives you children uh, so that you may steward that gift and that you may honour that gift that he's given you. It's exciting. It's a privilege to be a parent. It's a privilege to raise the most precious thing to the heart of God is, an, is another man, is another human being, the gift of Christ to the church. And that's why as a church, we want to honour the gifts that he's given to the body of Christ for the building up of the bride the bride of Christ, that we wouldn't be carried about by every wind of doctrine. I might be a, just a s small example. I, I may be a scholarly person. I may be a gifted teacher. I may study Hebrew and Greek. But if the Hebrew and Greek is telling me that it's okay to be a homosexual, am I off track? Oh, I'm off track. Okay. So I need, what do I need? Even though I'm a scholarly person, I understand Greek and Hebrew, I've given my life to study the word. I need the prophet to come in and say, homosexuality is not the heart of God. Repent or you go to hell. I need somebody to tell me that because I'm deceived. So, that, so, so the prophet brings balance to the teacher. But then the pastor needs to come along to mop up the mess, right? So it's okay, man. You're not going to hell. Just recover. No, it's all right. And, and then, you know, they, they're there and, and then somebody else needs to come along. The apostle needs to come along and say, hey, guys, we can do this together. Let's, you know, let's plant a church. Let's you know, pick it up. Let's go. 
but then, then, you know, there's not quite balance because we've forgotten, we're so concerned with what's going on in here, we've forgotten the lost. That's why the evangelist comes along and brings balance and say, guys, you, you, you're losing it. We're actually here to reach the lost. <laughs> so we can see the fivefold ministry uh, brings balance to our lives. That's why we need the gifts of Christ to the church. And we're looking to establish that. So just quickly, I'm going to finish now. Thank you for, it's been a long service. Holly's nodding her head. (laughs) I'm just going to, look, in, in Kings there's a story about Naaman. He was a captain of the Lord's, of the Syrian army, the host of Syria, and They went on a raid to Israel and they brought back a little slave girl. But Naaman contracted leprosy. He became sick. But the little slave girl who was serving Naaman's wife came and said to him, "Uh, My master, I know there is a man of God in Israel, in Samaria, that can heal your sickness. That's why the Bible says, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings... Thou's ordained strength. So let us not underestimate the little voice of man, the little powerful voice of man in our lives. And God has brought men to your life to bring you into deliverance, to bring you into healing, to bring you into prosperity. God works through men. And in this story of Naaman's leprosy, God worked through a slave girl one whom he caught in a raid to Israel. God used that little girl to bring healing to Naaman. So sometimes I feel in our lives we overestimate, we underestimate the little voices. We underestimate the person sitting next to you in church. We, and, and we reject the gift of God because we don't see them as an important person. And we don't see, we don't recognize the gift of God in each other, so we resist the hand of God. So, yeah, I'd just like to uh, just pray and we're going to finish, but maybe if we could have a a song. Is that all right? (laughs) Do you want me to sing? No, let's stand up together and let's just pray. We're not going to sing for long. Each one of us are, are gifts. We have to see, it's not just Sim and Lani that are gifts here. I'm sure you understand they are wonderful gifts and we want to uh, enjoy them, the gift of God in their lives and appreciate their hearts. That's why I got them to share testimonies so that you could, you could see that they're real and genuine. But I think we, all of us need to be real and genuine and you have to see yourself. Some of you haven't seen yourself as a gift Uh, because of rejection and negative words that have been spoken over your life and disappointments that you've been through in life, you don't see yourself as a gift to the body of Christ. But you are a gift. And But the thing is about a gift is it needs to be unwrapped. It's no good leaving the gift in the corner. You've got to open the gift. But in the body of Christ, you don't promote yourself. You don't open yourself. If you open yourself, you'll be rejected. If you come up to joy and say, oh, I'm, I'm a good worshipper, I, I should be leading the team, you'll be rejected. If you come up to me and say, I'm a good preacher, let me preach, the answer will be no. 
But you need to remain there and be opened. Let yourself be opened. Every gift has to be opened. You have to be opened. And you have to be opened by the person sitting next to you or in front of you or behind you. And in the same way, you need to stop isolating yourself and start to open the gift in the other people that are around you. So it's not about independence, it's about codependence. Jesus taught that. He sent them out two by two so that we would submit to one another out of a fear of God. So just in this next season, I think the Lord is going to bring us into a season of vulnerability where we can be vulnerable with one another and that we can be real with one another, that we wouldn't play games anymore. So we're just going to pray now. I'm going to ask the Lord first, our first, with a couple of prayer points, our first prayer point is that you would see yourself as a gift. So Father, we just, just pray together. Father, we just ask right now, Lord, Lord, we just, we see... Lord, the special gift that you've put within us. Father, I ask that you would open our eyes. Lord, that you open the eyes of, of, of your people, that we would see the gift that you've planted within us and that we would see the gift in each other. Father, I thank you, God. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, Jesus. Amen. Okay, the next prayer point. God is going to raise up helpers to your life. God is going to raise up gifts, men and women in your life. God is going to raise up maybe a life partner. God is going to raise up financial supporters. God is going to raise up men and women that are going to come and bless your business. So, Father, we just ask you would send helpers, send destiny helpers. Send helpers to us, Father. Right now, in Jesus' name, we pray that you would send men. Send men to help us. God, we thank you that you work through men, that you bless men through men. Father, I thank you that you will raise up. You will raise up. Help us. Help us come. Father, I thank you, God, that you didn't leave us alone, but you gave gifts. You gave gifts to your church. You gave helpers to your church. Father, I thank you. You're going to raise helpers in this time. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we call to the angelic realm and we say, send men, send men, send burden bearers, send financial supporters to our lives. God, that we wouldn't be so busy with the worries of this world that we couldn't focus on you, on your work. Father, raise up, raise up supporters, raise up workers. Father, you said the harvest is plentiful. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that He would raise up labourers. So, Father, we ask that You would send labourers, send burden bearers, send helpers, that the work of Your kingdom would, would carry on. Father, I thank You, Lord. I thank You, Lord. We thank You for the gifts of Christ. We thank You for the gifts that Jesus gave to the church. We thank you for the gifts to our family. We thank you for the little ones that you've entrusted to us as parents. God, may we be faithful stewards of what you've entrusted to us. Lord, that you would be glorified, that you would be lifted high. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Send, send helpers, send burden bearers, send financial supporters that your work 
Your work would be established. Your kingdom would be established. Thank you, Lord. You didn't leave us alone. You sent your Holy Spirit, but you also gave gifts, the gift of men, the gift of men to our lives. God, that no one would be isolated, that no one would be by themselves. God, that you would send support, that you would send men. Lord, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. You say in your word, it's not good. It's not good that man should be alone. That you have provided a helper. Father, I thank you for the helpers that you've provided. Helpers, send helpers in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Shut up.